Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. The second rule is, here is a lovely fella, never speak ill of the dead. Mm. So ever since I've started this, I've been getting anonymous phone calls from people going, Paddy, would you not let it lie? Have you? Would you not let it lie? Have you? Yeah. Is that, are you being serious with me? I'm being absolutely Uh, serious. Not a wind up. Not a wind up. You've had the odd phone call saying, would you let it lie? Would you not, would you let it lie? Jesus. Would you not let the poor, would you not let the poor man rest in peace? Yeah. Okay. Glass Nevin there. No. Yeah. My answer is, do you think Michael Collins would let it lie? Well, this episode is an interesting one, folks. My special guest today is Paddy Cullivan, a man that you might know as the frontman of the Camembert Quartet. They used to be the house band of the Late Late Show. But Paddy is also what's called an historical entertainer. What is that? Well, he cleverly brings together all the things he loves, history, music, comedy and the visual arts, and combines them into stage shows where he takes big historical stories and makes them accessible and entertaining, while also challenging the um, accepted narratives, I suppose you'd say, of those pieces of history. So his latest show focuses on the murder of Michael Collins at Bailinablaw. If you're an Irish history buff, you're going to love or indeed hate hearing all about that. But we also get deep into other fascinating areas as well, like conspiracy theories, 9-11, JFK's assassination, and why, as someone who knows so much about history, He is deeply cynical about how the Ukraine war is being handled politically. It's deep stuff, but as ever on this podcast, full of great crack too. The Michael Collins film doesn't deal with the treaty at all. It ignores it. He just gets in the car and goes, well, that's done. And then your man goes, ah, Mick, you gave away the (laughs) nod. No, I mean, I always say that Northern people, whether you're Protestant or Catholic or Unionist or Republican, they know what 1690 means. Yeah. Down here in the south, people think 1690 is a decent price to pay for a burger in a gastropub. That's the conspiracy theory. It, all the rest of it you see is there to make everybody look crazy, okay? And mm. anybody who questions it look crazy. Mm. So I think there are conspiracy theories that come out to actually make real conspiracy theories look bad. Uh, and one guy at the end gets up and, you know, so who shot him? You know, and then walks out the door. <laughs> and I said, why did he leave? I was about to tell him. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> This is a fascinating conversation, and it's coming up in just a few minutes' time with Paddy. But first, we're just over one year into the Mario Rosenstock podcast now, and every single week we've brought you a brand new and exclusive comedy sketch. So we thought it would be a nice time to go back over some of our very first comedy sketches and pick one of our favourites from the past to play to you again, just in case you're new to the show or you want a reminder of some of our early stuff, as they say in the music world. The one we've picked for you this week was inspired by a Twitter moment that became very famous during one of the last lockdowns. Do you remember when Tony Holohan was out and about in Dublin City one night, in his car, sunny evening, and he got an awful shock when he saw large crowds gathering, having what he described as a major open-air party? He was shocked, appalled. Uh, at what he witnessed and he sent out a very angry tweet to that effect it got us thinking about what kind of well let's say what that kind of paternalistic approach might lead to in the future ah nice day for a couple of cans what ah yeah nice to get out in the fresh air and have an old chat what our things anyway grand you know yourself what's that oh Jesus. Jesus no is that fucking end fed? Fucking end fed, lad, okay. Run. Just run. turn your head against the wall. Just don't look suspicious. This is Chief Officer Holohan. I'm absolutely shocked. Nobody move. I thought he was only driving around on Saturdays. The can. What? The can. Hide your can. Hide your can. Jesus. You there. What's that in your hand? 
just a, just a can of tenants, Mr. Holland. Chief officer to you, scumbag. Chief right. officer. What are you doing standing so close to the other fella? Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're in a bubble. Yeah. In a bubble, eh? Yeah. yeah. We'll see about that. Yeah. Lieutenant McConkey. Yes, sir. Sergeant O'Neill. Yeah. Check their papers. With pleasure, sir. Yeah, now, lads, let's have a look at these papers. Let's see what the data is telling oh, us papers, here Papers, please, gentlemen. I, 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 I left them at home, uh, Lieutenant yeah. McConkey. Me, me, me too, Lieutenant McConkey. Looks like we have a super spreader here, Chief. Give Hold him on. a shot. No, no, oh, please. Give him a shot. Boys. Jesus, no, oh, I had the oh, job no, already. It's lads, Pfizer. Yeah. Pfizer time for you, boys. Yeah. Come on. Now, come on, lads. Come on, the data is telling us. Put your hands off. The rest of you reprobates, listen up. There's a new sheriff in town. Mask up, shut up. I'm watching ye 24-7. You hear me? Holahan's on patrol hand. Move out, lads. Yippee K yeah yeah! Let's hit Portobello. Woohoo! Whoa! Fuck off! Well, thankfully, all of that seems like a sort of distant memory by now. But here's hoping it stays that way. You'll find tons more comedy sketches in all of our previous episodes. Give them a listen and hit that subscribe or follow button while you're there. And sure, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. Thanks to Curry's for their continuing support of the Mario Rosenstock podcast too. I hope you've been down to your nearest store bagging yourself some great bargains. They will never, ever be beaten on price, as I've told you many times before. So make sure you pay your local Curry's a visit very soon. So let's get straight down to my special guest this episode, Paddy Cullivan, who's been waiting there patiently with this guitar at the ready. Yes, there will be songs in this interview too. Very funny ones, in fact. I mentioned earlier that Paddy is now a historical entertainer and I wanted to figure out exactly what an historical entertainer is before we got into the chat. So that's where we started. So Paddy, I'm sucking on a sweet and are you sucking on a sweet? We're all no. sucking on sweets really no, okay. because our, all our voices are knackered because we're all back on tour again. <laughs> yeah, so our yeah. voices are ragged every day and um, I'm wrecked every day. So, um, yeah. but it's great. The best wrecked ever. Yeah. Are we recording? We are recording. Oh yeah. We okay. are recording. And so what I wanted to ask you was, Paddy Cullivan, the performer I know, is a musician um, and he's also a satirical musician and he's also a purveyor of musical parodies and he's also a satirist and he's also, I suppose, an amateur historian and now you have transmuted into being a historic entertainer. <laughs> I mean, That sounds like it has been, used to be entertainer. No, but no it's not. A historic entertainer. So what's a historic entertainer? It's historical entertainer, okay. Mario. It's a historical entertainer. I prefer, well, historic is even better. No, I like it. I'll take, I'll take every compliment <laughs> I can get. He was a historic guess. entertainer. He was historic. Uh, totally historical. Okay, so what's a historical entertainer? Uh, basically, I've taken all the things I like. Okay, mm. so music, uh, performance, um, visuals, because I went to NCAD and I did a lot of work on political art okay. and visuals and photography and stuff like that and propaganda and things like that. And I put them all into a show called The Murder of Michael Collins. Yeah. So my history interest comes in there as well. And so what I do is I go on stage for 45 minutes. I start with a little satirical film called Path A to Freedom, which is the official history that we're taught in schools about Michael Collins, which is all rubbish. You know, like the Michael Collins movie, you know, in which every word is a lie, including and and but. Oh, we'll, we can talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then I move into the visuals. I have over 300 images and photos. Mm. Uh, and then I have two songs in the show as well, one in each half. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to make history fun and entertaining for people. Yes. While also telling them some dark truths, yes. which is about the murder of Michael Collins, which is a terrible mystery. Yeah. That so in a forgotten. sense, it's a mixture between, in a sense, it's a mixture between comedy and multimedia. Yeah. Lecturing. Yes. Um, fun. Yes. Music. 
Yeah. And, and, and comedy. Yeah, it's, it's basically a PowerPoint presentation, yeah. Mario. Well, That's, so is, yeah, but yeah, a lot of, I mean, so is, so is uh, Ricky Gervais doing politics or history. Exactly. Or, their yeah. PowerPoint presentations So, as well. and there is a lot of comedy in it. A, because the whole story is so farcical, especially the press afterwards and all of that, which is really interesting. You know, where they say things like, though mortally wounded, Michael Collins kept firing at his attackers. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Michael Collins. Your show is called The Murder of Michael Collins. Yes, indeed. And is it right then to say that there is an accepted um, mainstream media view of the murder of Michael Collins and that you refute that mainstream media view? Or Com- completely. Okay. Yeah, there's an official history, which is... What's the official history of Michael Collins's murder? Well, you know, apart from the fact that Jonathan Rhys-Myers murdered him. Yeah, well, you know, as I say in the show, you know, you could see on the bend and there's Jonathan Rhys-Myers and he's about to ruin another movie. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I I love Jonathan Rhys-Myers. Brilliant in Vikings, by the way, where you need to overact. But um, no, the thing for me is that the murder is so strange and there's so few details and no evidence and no ballistic evidence and forensic evidence that everything is based on what people have said. And what is it? It's all hearsay that they go down to Belnablaw uh, 25 in a convoy with two machine guns. They're attacked by five guys with three rifles and two uh, guns. And for some reason, 30 people go into the Valley of Death and only one fatality takes place, and that's of the commander-in-chief. And is this murder meant to have been committed by anti-treaty forces or that's- anti-treaty Operators at, operators at the time that was the idea but there was only really 5 to 10 people attacking a convoy of 25 the real mystery is how 25 guys are meant to be the bodyguard for Michael Collins and yet he ends up dead and not one of them there is no serious injuries or fatalities on either side Yes. so it's quite mysterious for, for 50 years they blamed it on a ricochet you know, so I blame it on two FM's ricochet. Yeah, he picked the name, but um, but but that got a lot of people off the hook because the anti-treaty side could say, you know, we weren't aiming at him really. It was just lucky shot that happened, a stray shot that bounced off something and hit him in the back of the head. Yes, and then the Free State could say, well, no, it wasn't a security failure on our part. It was just a terrible freak accident hmm. that a bullet managed to hit him in the head. So that got everyone off the hook. But then nobody believed it. So in the kind of late eighties, they start blaming one guy, Sonny O'Neill. Uh, who they say is a former British Army marksman and sniper. The terrible thing is all the research I've done, I've gone back to the original research, I can't find any proof he was a sniper or a marksman. So, and that's kind of put a lot of cat among the pigeons because people have believed that for so long and they've hedged their bets. And is Paddy Cullivan becoming a reputable historical source now? Are you starting to turn up in notes at the bottom of books? I am. (laughs) Funny enough, Ronan McGreevy is bringing out a book on Henry Wilson and he's actually going to put my original research into it because it's for the first time. And now... I got loads of help from people. People sent me records from Germany where Sonny O'Neill was a a, a prisoner of war and he was 40%, his right arm was 40% damaged. And then another report has him with a, a cane in his left hand for walking. So, you know, he's walking around with a yeah. bad right arm and a cane in his hand. If you put a patch on him, he looks like Michael Palin out of a fish called Wanda. You know, right. who is this guy? I'm the sharpshooter. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, yeah. so it, it all looks a bit suspect. And then some of the guys in the convoy look suspect. But, you know, I'm not going to be definitive here and say yeah. who did it or any of that stuff. All I'm saying is it's a, it's a huge mystery. And do you proffer a theory at the end of your own show as to who did it? I proffer, do you show a face on the big screen? I proffer... That would be ruining it now, Mario. Mm. But I, but I, what I do is I proffer an alternative scenario, mm. which is as believable as the official story. And presumably, you don't want. Let's not ruin it here by no, saying no. We won't ruin it, but it's it. It just shows that it's a lot more mysterious than we think. And the mm. biggest thing about the Michael Collins thing is the cover up. There's no inquest. There's no inquiry. He's no. There's no autopsy. Even the one was Why done. Not? There's no death cert. Why not? Because a lot of it was burned in 1932 by Desmond Supposedly, is, is is what we're told, and. All the evidence is gone. There's no bullets, not a single bullet from Bell the Blow. 
There's no forensic evidence. The car that he's in ends up in Kenya a month later and is never seen again. Yeah. I mean, everything about it is mysterious. The rifle that he had is never found, supposedly, that he was shooting. Mm. Even though his Webley revolver went for 72 grand in 2009. Wow. We don't have the rifle. So we don't have any actual evidence. All we have is he said, she said. Mm. So I go through the three rules of Irish history where I say, this is how our history is taught, right? This is it. One, I knew a fella who knew a fella. Everything is based on conjecture and hearsay. The guy even who says it was Sonny O'Neill wasn't even at Bay on the Blah, right? The second rule is, he was a lovely fella, never speaking of the dead. Mm. So ever since I've started this, I've been getting anonymous phone calls from people going, Paddy, would you not let it lie? Have you? Would you not let it lie? Have you? Yeah. Is that, are you being serious with me? I'm being absolutely Uh, serious. Not a wind-up? Not a wind-up. You've had the odd phone call saying, would you let it lie? Would Would you let it lie? Jesus, would you not okay, let like poor, that. Would you not let the poor man rest in peace? Yeah, okay. Open glass never in there. No. Yeah. To, my answer is, do you think Michael Collins would let it lie? Because he was a, a harsh investigator of people and he, was, he would track people down to the end of the earth. Yes. So I think Michael Collins would want to find out what happened to him. And then the third Particularly rule... Particularly this one. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, 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 his own, yeah. yeah. And then the third, of course, is a heroic failure, hmm. uh, which is, you know, uh, you know, snatching victory from defeat, which hmm. the Irish have always done. To a lot of anti-treaty fellas, there's a host of fellas, oh, I shot him. Or I knew a fella who said he shot him. And like, there's, in one book, there's seven lads who all claim they know who shot him. Mm. And not one of them was at Bell and the Blow either. Mm-hmm. Bar, you know, the, and the, the only so thing... So this story can, is mired in classic Irish gossip, parochialism, he said, yes. she said. And very local, very local stuff. And also, you know, it, it's a bit like what we do with all our rebellions and all our failures. I call it the Italian 90s-ification of, of our history, where... You know, if you look at Italia 90 and just analyze it, it was three draws against some very poor teams. Yes. Then we kind of got a penalty shootout by the seat of our arse. Yes. And then we were kicked out of the competition. Yes. Not great. No. But at the same time, the greatest moment in Irish history since the Book of Kells. It is. And actually, if you want to stay with the Italification, Italian football, <laughs> there is a great, there is an argument to say what could have been. So, for example, yeah. just to briefly stay with Charlton for a moment. Yeah. Charlton had absolutely no fear of the Italians. No. At all. And if they had played these Argentinians in the, in the semi-final, none of them, none of, no fear of them at all. No. In fact, he was looking forward to a possible final, a Derby League match, if you like, against a, a kind of an average German side. Yes, yes. And so he had no fear of it as well. So in a way, there is a Michael Collins element. Oh, what could have been? No, there's a load of that, yeah. But what I'm saying is that a load of fellas will self-aggrandize themselves and say how brilliant it was that the anti-treaty got him. So a lot of Republicans are annoyed at my show because they like the Sonny O'Neill theory because they like the idea mm. that an anti-treaty guy got mm. him. A lot of Fine Gaelers, believe it or not, and people like that, are quite suspect of the convoy. Mm. One of the guys who wrote one of the biggest pieces about Collins and the suspicion of Dalton and other people involved was a former Fine Gael minister, Michael Keating. So it, it doesn't fall down along political lines. The Civil War is still very much alive in this, this whole thing. But what I mean about the Italian anti-treatification is you know, 1916 was a terrible failure. 1798 was a dreadful failure. But we have to present them as glorious moments in Irish history. And that's kind of what's going on here. We're always, there's always some fella saying, I know it's me, or I know who did it. Mm. You know, the amount of people who say they know or saw who shot Michael Collins at yeah. the Blah is now huge. It's, it's almost like the amount of fellas who carried Connolly's stretcher in 1916, which at the last count numbered 75. Yeah. <laughs> and the amount of people who were at the Ireland, all, or New Zealand, all, or Munster All Blacks yeah, game in 78. Yeah, a million people were at that. Mm, including you know. Michael Collins, by the it, way. He, he was, was there. there. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he just yeah, came back for yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, but see, this is what I'm talking about. And that's, that's what I go through. I go through the mythic element of Irish history. Okay. Where, we're, where we're, we're telling ourselves myths. 
we're lying to ourselves. Yeah, I don't know if that's peculiar to to Irish history. I think everybody lionizes and mythologizes and hagiographizes themselves yeah. as well. But no, but it's been interesting. Let's talk about Michael Collins then for a minute, because mm-hmm. obviously he is, if you like, the JFK of of Irish political history. Definitely. Um, but from your pretty probably extensive knowledge of him, is he, are we right to mythologize him so much? I mean, so for example, let me just start. I, I'm jumping off point for you. I always thought that Michael Collins was really tall, and he wasn't. No, he was, I think he was average. He was five eleven. Yeah, yeah. Which would have been tall actually for the time. It is tall. Fairness. It's tall, but it's he was called the big fella because of his the scale of his ambition and his ability mm. and his organizational ability. Dev was called the the long fellow because mm. he actually was tall. Yeah. So that was what separated the two guys. So when one fella at Bell and Blas says, "I saw the big man fall," uh, it's like, no, he wasn't that big. Yes. And and so. Again, the mythology goes on that he must have been strikingly tall and all the all rest right. of it. Well, yeah. so, so, so let me ask you then, cut to the chase. Was Michael Collins a re- re- repulsively handsome, beautiful, charismatic genius um, who was capable of leading vast swathes of men into the abyss? Or was he simply a competent bureaucrat? That's interesting. Uh, I think he was the second or the, the first thing uh, because I go through it in the show, the motives... In, even from 1910 he's already making friends with people who are best friends with Lloyd George he's like a spy he's mm. in the IRB he's spying on all these kind of London high society people he's sneaky he's sneaky mm. so he's doing a bit of GAA and stuff and hanging out with volunteers in London but he's also hanging out with people like Crompton Llewellyn Davies who's Lloyd George's election agent okay. you know and I even go to, into the, the mythology that he may have had a son with one of these yes. high society women uh, because it, it, was, it was mentioned in a, a book in 1985 a totally unrelated book by a sports writer who met him in 1939 yes um, so a lot of people, again, it's the Collins myth of him wrestling fellas to the ground and being this kind of rural fella from Clannacilty who through a, a mix of rural guile and nous somehow manages to stop the British Empire and get them to the negotiating table for the first time in 700 years. But actually, he's more like James Bond. If you look at his activities mm. from 1910 up till 1916... He's doing incredible stuff. He's like an undercover operative. He's an undercover operative. And who swore him into the IRB? Sam Maguire of the London IRA, after whom the Sam Maguire Cup is named, a Protestant Republican. Okay. And was there any evidence that he was a good speaker or that he was an orator? Or do you know what I mean? Obviously, as a pol- political figure, that would be important. He, he's he's a good orator, but not not as good as Dev or people like that. Right. In the Are the recordings of his voice extant? Do I don't know? I don't think so. Mm. Uh, but we certainly know he's charismatic. But he's far more militant than people think. He's far more of a Martin McGuinness character than people think. Uh, Finnegal would present him this year now as the arch constitutionalist who wanted to retire to the Burnaby like an ex banker and live with Kitty Kiernan uh, into eternity. Nothing could be further from the truth. The other motivation I say for why he's murdered is because. From January 1922, him and the anti-treaty side are both sending arms up the north and he wants to invade the north in about six to 12 months with a full army of about 50,000 people. And that's why he goes to Cork to make peace with the anti-treaty side. Mm. So he's far more militant than people imagine or remember. So is that true that he was planning an invasion of the north? Absolutely. And is that documented or not? That's not just your theory. No, it's 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 documented. He he wanted to build up an army. Once the civil war starts, he's able to have a huge army. Mm -hmm. And then in August, he has enough. He has 50,000 men to take on the 50,000 B-specials and British army in the north. So would this precipitate a huge clash between uh, uh, British armed forces and Irish armed forces? Yes, there would have been an invasion. There would have been all of that. And then there would have been an attempt to rebut the invasion or to repel the invasion, presumably. Well, well, it would have been... Bloodbath. Well, they say bloodbath. I mean, everybody Says or maybe bath. the Brits you're saying may have gone okay fair enough 
Yeah, he might, he might have invaded Derry and South Armagh and then there's a hold off or a standoff and right. more, more peace moves are made. But that was his intention. Mm. And a lot of people, that's what puts a target on his back because, you know, the anti-treaty side are only angry because he stabbed them in the back yeah. before courts. But the Free State cabinet, his own cabinet can't stand him. Mm. They can't stand him because he's obsessed with the North and the pogroms okay. going on up there. And then the Brits are very angry because... Henry Wilson is shot so he can still reach his tentacles right into London and shoot one of the biggest leaders of the British army. Are you are we right to then treat him as one of the most uh, influential figures in 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 the last three or four hundred years of Irish history? I mean, who would you be talking about? You'd be talking about Daniel O'Connell. Um, You're talking about Wolf Tone, especially Wolf Tone. Who, who tried his best and, and failed, whereas Collins got it to a got us to a, a certain point. Parnell, maybe. Parnell, yeah, but these are constitutionalists. You're mm. Daniel Connell and Parnell are constitutionalists. Mm. Michael Collins is not, no matter what anyone... Now, he wrote a constitution. He's brilliant. But he also had the military stuff going on all the time in the mm. background. So that's why he's more comparable to McGuinness and people like that. Mm. And it's, it, he's a very interesting character from that point of view because he wants to have a lovely constitutional world, but he still wants to finish the job. And so he becomes a very dangerous character. John M. Regan says, the reason there was no crisis after Collins' death is because Collins was the crisis. And so that's where the whole thing gets very scary. And in the middle of the show, you'll see how that goes. And it's um, it, it's a, it's an alternative history that a lot of people don't know about. Would he have become a kind of a, a le- political leader of Ireland? Do you think? Well, he was already the president. Yeah. Uh, then he made himself commander in chief. He was already minister for finance. Yes. So he basically held the top three jobs yes. in, in the country, head of the army, leader and finance. Yeah. So a lot of people think he was a dictator. Uh, I don't think so. I think he would have got back to the cabinet table but he was even telling he was telling it was quite the, fashionable at the time very you know, I mean look at Tito and look at him yeah. uh, Ataturk uh, but the thing I always say is if Ataturk or Tito had been murdered eight months into their reign I don't think Yugoslavia or Turkey would have uh, gone let it lie now lads don't cover it up now don't have an inquiry you know leave it you know yeah. it's very interesting okay. stuff the depictions of Michael Collins on film okay yeah. so full disclosure here I shared a Winnebago with Michael Collins you did yes would you like to know the story in the Michael Collins movie? Yes. Yes. In, no, in the treaty. Oh, the treaty. You were in the treaty. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So I played Emmett Dalton in oh the treaty. Oh, my God. Oh, God, you shot him. Yeah. Well, you see? <laughs> I'm only And kidding. Brendan Gleeson played uh, Michael Collins. And it was Brendan's first leading film role. Yeah. And I was sharing a Win- Winnebago with Brendan Gleeson. And I only had a few lines in the film. Hmm. And it was great. But Brendan Gleeson, you know, played, is a big man. Hmm. And he played him as a, as a big, a big kind of wrestling, wrestling a, yeah. a sort of fella. Yeah. So the treaty and then, of course, Michael Collins, the film. Film directed by Neil Jordan. What do you think of Collins' depiction on film? Look, I, they're both great fun, aren't they? And of course, the treaty is great because it deals with the treaty. Uh, the Michael Collins film doesn't deal with the treaty at all. It ignores it. He just gets in the car and goes, well, that's done. And then your man goes, ah, Mick, you gave away the art. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know... Uh, Real Hollywood, that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. God. I mean, look, it's great crack. But as I say, there's not a single fact in any of it. Mm. Um, the treaty, I suppose, is a bit more of a treatment. But I do use a picture of Brendan Gleeson's impersonation of Collins in the show to show this is the kind of the rural looking Collins that we have, you yeah. know. Um, I think I'm, I'm not trying to refute anything. I'm just saying they're great fun. Michael Collins is a great gangster movie. Yes. But the weirdest thing about Neil Jordan's movie is that you know, Emmett Dalton, who you played, mm. isn't in Michael Collins, the movie. Mm. Uh, he's replaced by Joe O'Reilly, which is bizarre because mm. Dalton's a huge figure mm. in Collins' life. And not only that, but Dalton set up Ardmore Studios That's in the right. 1950s. Yeah. And Neil Jordan made his first movie in, Do- in Ardmore Studios. Correct. So it's astonishing. Why Dalton would you leave went to the United States and became involved with filmmaking people. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's the States. Definitely London, rank cinema. I, I, it's very odd. His career afterwards is very strange. He leaves the army in, in 22 in November and does millions of different jobs, goes back to England, meets up with Churchill and people like that. Amazing war hero. 
I go through his whole career as well yes. because he's a really important thing and he's he's suspected of possibly having done it as well yes. you see yes. by a lot of people again I'm trying to be fair to everybody in this yes you know? right um is it is it is it fair to put I mean is it fair to put your your uh, thesis your theory mm. under the the broad umbrella of this is a conspiracy theory then <laughs> because I suppose a conspiracy theory is the non-accepted out, outsider outlier theory as opposed so is that where you're you're because what I'm trying to get to is talk to you about conspiracy theories well yeah okay I always laugh at the word conspiracy theory because they conspiracy theories only happen when things don't add up. So what you can say about the official history mm. is that it's a conspiracy. Yeah. Because if you if you cover up something, there's no inquest, there's no inquiry, there's no evidence, there's nothing, there's no death cert or, in, yeah. or, or autopsy. Mm. That's a conspiracy. Yeah. Something's happened. Yeah. Someone's covered up something. Yeah. So all I'm trying to do is unravel yes. the official conspiracy. Yes. Um, I, I think the official story of Michael Collins is a conspiracy theory. I, 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 exactly, I know exactly what you're saying. And what I'm trying to get to is a, a truer or, or an yes. alternative that people can, can go, look, this is odd. That doesn't take away from the fact that I love talking about conspiracy theories. Well, I'm I do going too. to use you as a vessel. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I've watched everything on JFK as well. I, yeah. com- I compare a lot of this to JFK. Have you seen um, Oliver Stone's new um, I'm watching Destiny it. Betrayed? Yeah, I'm about two yeah. episodes in. Oliver Stone is great. He gets very dense. Mm. There is a remarkable film uh, called Everything is a Rich Man's Trick, which I recommend people see, which is this guy has just nailed the whole thing. And again, what's he's, the, what's, what's this? It's, it's, a, it's on YouTube. It's very hard to watch because people are very but unhappy about Stone? it. No, this no. is another guy. He just made his own documentary. It's about, about JFK. Okay. And uh, it goes Name again. Everything. Everything is a Rich Man's Trick. Okay. And it's, I mean... That, that, you know, after you watch it, you go, oh, God, he's got it. Because what he's done, the problem with a lot of historians is we look at, at words and what people say. So we look at what's written down and what people say. But what this guy's done is what I've done in the Michael Collins film and look at the images. And what are the images? What happens when the bullets are fired in JFK? Where do people look? Where do they run? Well, a lot of them run up the grassy knoll. One cop looks down in the storm drain because the last bullet, of course, comes up from a storm drain and hits JFK in the head. And you could see the cop looking down at it. Um, a couple of hours later, this guy arrives back to a car showroom covered in mud and crap from a sewer. Mm. And again, I'm just saying that these things are possible because if you look at the visuals, you also see film of JFK arriving at the airport and the four lads who are meant to be on his car jump onto the, are meant to ju- about to jump on the car because you know they all stand. That's right. And one guy just goes like this and waves them away. And is, says, that, is that on film? That's on film. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, no way, lads. Mm. So when JFK goes down Dealey Plaza, there's no one to protect him mm. in the actual car. Mm. I mean, this stuff is all on film and mm. visual. And of course, people hate all of this. Mm. People, people go back and say, oh no, the three, the three, it was just three bullets. We've proven it's three bullets. Mm. So I always say to them, well, what about the fourth one? Mm. This is the last bullet. Well, no, no. I say, what about the fourth one? And they go, which one? I said, the one that Jack Ruby shot into Lee Harvey okay. Oswald. Right. That proves your conspiracy right yeah. there. You know, so... I, I don't know. I mean, I think what I'm trying to do... That generally... They, people generally feel that that points to a mob con, mob conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, on the idea that the mob always kills the guy who does it. Yeah. And even in even in my show, I do a whole section on the Civil War executions as an Italian mobster. Hmm. And I, I show how, you know, we're just taking care of family business. Yeah. You know, we're just getting rid of it, you know. And he's gone. We popped him. Yeah. We popped him. And there's nothing we can do about it. And there's nothing we can do about it. Can he's do. gone. Colino, we was running olive oil he, over the border. He's gone. He's gone. What do you mean he's gone? He's gone. He's gone. That's it. He's gone. That's that. He, that was when Joe's <laughs> pleasure was going to be made. 
That's it. That's my He's favorite gone. bit. What yeah. happened to him? He's gone. Yeah. And then yeah. he kicks the telephone box to shit. Yeah, we shot Erskine Childers first. But we had to shoot four <laughs> young guys because you couldn't shoot Erskine first because he's a made guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's all that type of thing. So mm. I do a lot of that because it's important to try and tell people and entertain people and let them know. But all I'm saying is that, you know, there's a, there's two types of conspiracy theory. Yeah. Okay? There's two types. One is the absolutely mad, ridiculous one. That Which is, are hilariously great fun. Yeah, yeah. That is come up by loopers or... Okay, well, let's just let, let's just using both our knowledge, just see, come up with one hilariously stupid one. Well, I, I, I presumably we'll go the moon. The moon, okay. I I kind of believe it. I, you believe the you believe the, the the conspiracy of the moon. Have you seen Capricorn One? Yes, of course I've seen it's Capricorn One. Great movie. One. Full disclosure, I did a movie with a guy in Capricorn One, Sam Waterston. He's brilliant. Sam Waterston's great. I love that movie where they, you know, they're meant to be landing on Mars and they actually land them in the Arizona desert and then film the pretend landing on yeah. Mars. It's brilliant. But yeah. listen, the only thing about the only thing about wacky conspiracy theories mm. theories is that surely it takes too many people to keep stum, 400,000 odd people to keep stum. Where do you stand on that? This is the funny thing. Mm. In Ireland, we keep stum. I mean, we're terrible. We don't talk about stuff. I mean, look at all the church stuff and everything. And everybody was just kind of completely complicit in that for decades and decades and decades. And you never said anything or put your head above the parapet. Mm. I still I still think Ireland's very much like mm. that. So I, I think you can sustain conspiracy mm. theories. Mm. And of course, in the JFK case, loads of people get killed. In the Michael Mm -hmm. Collins case, the guy who wants to investigate him, Sean Hales, is killed. Mm -hmm. He's killed in December. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people who know a lot of things about what Collins was up to die before Christmas of Mm -hmm. 1922. So there is a lot of that. And then anybody else is too scared. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the guy who drove the armoured car, who I think might have seen something, he ends up in solitary confinement in Mountjoy for six years. After that... You'll you'll yeah. stay quiet about anything. So, would you be under the? Would you be? Would you? Would you be? Uh, you know, harboring the theory that Neil Armstrong and Buzz they weren't they were out there and <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think about that. I think it was it was more than possible. You know, of course. No, that's that's a silly one. Okay. Look, I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I mean Give by the good t- difference between two conspiracy yeah. theories. Nine eleven. Okay. Mm. You have a whole school of thought that says uh, they were blown up in controlled explosions. Buildings yeah. don't fall down that way. The tensile weight of steel. Thermite. Blah, blah, blah. Thermite. All of this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, the, the Pentagon. I think there's a far simpler conspiracy theory, which is how the hijackers ended up getting on planes at all when they were being chased around America for 18 months by the FBI with the full knowledge of the CIA. How did they actually get onto those planes? And that's the suspect thing, which is an amazing book, The Looming Tower, is mm. about, which was recently shown on TV as well. That's the conspiracy theory. It's it's it, all the rest of it you see is there to make everybody look crazy, okay? And mm. anybody who questions it look crazy. Mm. So I think there are conspiracy theories that come out to actually make real conspiracy theories look bad. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but conspiracy theories in their own, in their by their very nature, are almost grappled with by people to uh, as a kind of an instinctive human um, need we have to understand the story yeah so for example this 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 theory would go that this theory would go that basically intelligent humans or rational humans mm. realize that the world is irrational random and chaotic yeah and that is too much for some people to understand Yes. And so people who need narrative need it to be fixed. They, they don't want the randomness and chaos of life to be true. They want it to be false. So therefore, they need an out. They need a, um, an agenda. They need um, a, a scapegoat. They need somebody to blame. They need 
uh, an idea to cling to yes to, to bolster their own belief that no something did happen yes, yes. rather than no it just happened it was just random mm. I know I mean there are lots of just random but in the case of JFK and Michael Collins it's too it's just too you know planned and meticulous and um, I just think you know you, you, you we have to have a Lee Harvey Oswald we have to have the lone nut the lone nut is the thing the mm. problem is that the, the Jack Ruby thing gets rid of the lone nut theory because it looks like a conspiracy mm. so I don't know I'm, I'm just you're right though people need that especially Irish people we're very sentimental so like after Collins dies for instance you know um, they start saying like he had last words like forgive them and bury me in Glasnevin with the boys you know and this is the turning of Michael Collins into a, a man, what I call a mantelpiece martyr you know that he can be on the mantelpiece with JFK John Paul II and Jesus getting open heart surgery you yeah. know the, the yeah. sacred heart <laughs> yeah I know that one and, and it's just you know it, we need this we need him to say forgive them at the end even though he died in a tenth of a second we need him to say that because we need him to be like Jesus and for this tragedy to make sense to us. Mm. You know what I mean? So he died instantly pretty much. Did oh, he? instantly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, a head wound like that, you're gone. Mm. And yet there are four, he says four sentences by the end of, but by the time the newspapers are done, <laughs> he's done a full Shakespearean monologue. No, he did a podcast. He did a full podcast. <laughs> the Michael Collins podcast on the road. He on did the it road. with Nicola Talent. He, he called Nicola Talent. Yeah. She got down. She went, Michael Collins is here. Like yeah. I just have to finish with the penguin first and the monk. <laughs> then I'm going to get down to Bail and the Blast straight away and find Paddy Collivan. Yeah, yeah. A Sunday World exclusive. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, no, that it's it's funny and the the myths that grow How up. How long is your show? It. It's only ninety minutes. Ninety minutes, no break. No, forty five minutes and a break. Oh, yeah? People need to have three pints at least in the middle because it's. It, <laughs> My show's like the Late Late Show. It starts off well, then goes on way too long, and then you're depressed out of your mind by the end of it. Right. Yeah, that's kind of how it works, you know? Yeah, and then the so, end of the story, a fellow's head fell off, so like there's, well, well, there's yeah, always so misery you, porn at the end. At least three pints yeah. at the break. And it know? always ends in a death, yeah. Oh, oh always, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's very good. I mean, people are enjoying it, you know yeah. what I mean? The, do, you, do you give away 10,000 quid at the end of it to a lucky caller? No, no, I never no, understood no. that. How was that allowed? Yeah. But 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 no. The thing is, people find enough where to laugh, you know, because I have comedy in it, but it's also an extremely serious story. So yes. I'm trying to strike that balance, you know. Yes. Like the funeral, there's there's a moment, there's some funny moments at the funeral. Hazel Lavery throws herself on Colin's grave, mm. wearing widow's weeds, yeah. like she was his girlfriend, like yes. she was his wife. Yes. And the bizarre thing is, Kitty Kiernan's two rows back. Yeah. You know. And she's and the, her and Collins were meant to get married the day he was shot mm. on the twenty second of dynasty. August. It's dynasty. Yeah, on the twenty second mm. of August, nineteen twenty two. Mm. So we dodged that bullet. Mm. <laughs> Very good. And come here. What about your guitar? Why did you bring your guitar? Well, I play a few songs in yeah. the show. Um, uh, you'll have a you know you can play a bit of one of my songs, Bail on the Blah Blah Blah, yeah. which is about conspiracy theory. But it's but, also about the death of Collins. Yes, it yeah. is. But um, and also uh, tin tin foil hat stuff, and then. Um, I brought a guitar so I can play a thing because halfway through the first set I go Collins was a dangerous man mm. you know he was not like the leaders we have now he wasn't like you know and he was also a Cork person who didn't think that Northern Ireland started in Southern Tipperary you know those type of Cork mm. people who don't really know what Northern Ireland is mm. you know one of them self-isolating in mm. Joe Biden's garden at the moment okay. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I do a song saying you know Collins was a dangerous man he was not what we have had, had leading Ireland for the last few years a safe pair of hands. That lovely term that we use saying, oh, your man's a safe pair of hands. Yeah. The minute you hear the word safe pair of hands, run. He was far from it. Run, yeah. run. Yeah. He was a dangerous pair of hands. Yes. So I'll, I'll do this little song about Irish leadership. And, uh, Irish leadership. Irish leadership. Yeah. All right. Okay. What is it about leaders in this country? 
why do they wind up useless or just dead? We've had 5,000 years of those obsessed with their careers instead of how the Irish should be led. Queen Maeve and all the kings were greedy hoarders while Cúhollán and the boys they fought and bled. The only one with fight who wanted Ireland to unite ended up with an axe stuck in his head. That's Brian Baru to you. <laughs> in Ireland now, the story is no different. The absolutely worst rise to the top. And because they're surrounded by the worst themselves, no one's even feels like shouting, stop. What is it that defines these awful people? who somehow gained the right to lead this land. The good ones die too young, while the bad ones die in bed. And when they die in bed, what is the thing that's often said? He was a safe pair of hands. He's a safe pair of hands. Safe pair of hands. He really has no talent, all his life he's been quite bland He's a safe pair of hands He's a safe pair of hands Safe pair of hands He'd sell a natural resource for a measly 50 grand He's a safe pair of hands He's a safe pair of hands Sing it Mario Safe pair of hands I reject that I'm a safe pair of hands You can trust he'll steer the ship of state Straight into the sand He's a safe pair of hands He's a safe pair of hands I'm not a safe pair of hands either Have you seen what I do over in Europe? He'll never be fired or even receive a reprimand He's a safe pair of hands He's a safe pair of hands Safe pair of hands He'd sell a natural resource for a measly 50 grand He's never suffered hardship or the cold assassin's hand I know lots of guys like that in big successful bands <laughs> Ireland is a thaling <laughs> We elevate the mediocre They couldn't even win at poker See what I did there? Yeah with a safe pair of hands. Bravo. Excellent. And you have a lovely, a lovely singing voice. Thank you. What are you, a baritone or a contralto? Or? I think I'm an alto. An alto. I don't lovely, know. Lovely singing voice. I think I'm an alto. What would be another good, uh, presumably you've, you've thought, uh, as you lay, you know, in that funny place we go to at night after a show where... Uh, no, I'm not talking about that place. I'm talking, about, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about the place of kind of dreams where you're kind of addled and you're awake and you're still buzzing after the show. Mm. And actually you're, you're, you're alive with the possibilities of your future. And you're going, wow, that was great tonight. Mm. Where could I take this? I could go here with it. I could go here with it. I could go here with it. Have you thought where you might go with your... Go, go with your well, I see... Show? If, funny enough... In terms of, of a new subject. <clears throat> like, well, yeah. Well, I, yeah. Well, I... I over the over the COVID time, 
what got me going with all of this was the murder series. So I started with the murder of Wolf Tone, then the murder of Michael Collins, and I did them online and sold them online. And I did what Fine Gael told me to. I upskilled. I learned Final Cut. I learned how to actually mm-hmm. edit and make documentaries. Yeah. They were right, the bastards. And um, uh, not right, though. You know, at the same time, I did it and it was a success and it kept me going. Um, so I'd like to do more murders. You know, Owen Rowe O'Neill was murdered. You know, they bought him a pair of boots and put a poison nail in it and he died that way. So there's loads of other characters in Irish history. John Moore, the first president of Ireland, was murdered. Um, there are tons of murder stories you can have in history. And that's what I like hinging things I've around. I've never heard of John Moore. John Moore was appointed by General Humbert in 1798 as the first president of Ireland. So in a table quiz, when someone says, who was the first president of Ireland? And you go, Douglas Hyde. No, it wasn't. It was John Moore. And he was president for two weeks in Castle Bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they murdered him in prison. And uh, I mean, the stories of 1798 are outrageous. They make Game of Thrones look like, you know, Wolf Tone is, is just I always find him fascinating Oh he's amazing yeah. And I, I proved that he was murdered in prison as well he's His more speech Jeffrey. from the dock was was feckin' awesome Well Emmett's speech from the dock was awesome But also Wolf Tone's But um, I mean poor Emmett I mean the stories are appalling um, You know he was hung and You know he was hung and then decapitated mm. In front of 20,000 people uh, Just outside St. Catherine's Church on Thomas Street Now only 80 people turned up to rebellion you know, if 20,000 had turned up to rebellion, mm. it might have succeeded. So yeah. who were these people? They were gawpers. Yeah. They were just gawpers. Yeah. I compare my audience, you know. It'd be great if you started doing decapitations during your show. You'd get some fucking crowd. <clears throat> I, absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just great. They love it. The Irish love gawping. They, they love an owl execution. You they know love I mean? an owl execution. They must have loved it because they yeah. didn't turn up for the rebellions, but they turned up for the L hangouts. Now, I know you're all here for the execution. <clears throat> That'll be first a few pints. Take a break. Three pints. Yeah. Uh, and Paddy then will... You know, he'll take it out. Well, my, I, but my audience is more rarefied, a bit like Spinal Taps, yeah. you know. What's my, the, what, uh, is your audience older? Uh, half of them are on ventilators. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, I, no, I get a good mixed crowd. Yeah, yeah. I get a mixed crowd. Yeah. And, you know, like I had a full house in Belfast there. 200 people came to the black box. It was great. And um, I, sell out, I sell out in the North all the time. Yeah. The North are far more interested in history than the South. And, no. the, and the North are very interested in the South as well. They are, yeah. yeah. And Whereas we're not so interested in the North. They don't know nothing. No. No, I mean, I always say that Northern people, whether you're Protestant or Catholic or Unionist or Republican, they know what 1690 means. Yeah. Down here in the South, people think 1690 is a decent price to pay for a burger in a gastropub. Yeah, or it's a pint of lager. It's, 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 have you had a pint of 1690? I'll a pint, yeah. No, a pint of 1690. It sounds like a, a Dutch kind of... It does, yeah, yeah. And this is the problem. And that's so 1690 is, is King Billy, right? Yeah, King Billy. So that's where they're trying... That I'm always trying to educate people and just, you know... But they're massively interested in history up there. I kind of like Unionists for that reason. Because when they go out in the 12th, they're reenacting history. Yes. They're remembering a historical date. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, they have it all wrong, but... They're like a live Paddy Cullivan show. They kind of are. Yeah. And I'm into reenacting. Lambeg drums. I'm into all that stuff, mm. you know. And, and they're very popular. And, um, you know, there was a... There was someone reenacted uh, Waterloo in 2015. 15,000 people showed up. Mm. And, and all in the finery dress up. So I dress nice. up as Wolf Tone in my Wolf Tone show. I have the full gear and the okay. whole thing. Yeah. And I've ordered a Michael Collins uniform. Haven't yeah. got it yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's all of that stuff. But I think, you know... And I love the fact that the North are interested and stuff like that. But I mean, mm. I'm really enjoying touring again. I mm. think, I mean, I don't know about how you're feeling, like to even just get out there and just feel a crowd. Oh, it's, it's insane. It's, it's yeah. absolutely insane. I mean, the, my show lasts uh, two hours. And yeah. the first show that I did was in Kilkenny in the Lyreth Estate. Great. And it went on two hours and 45 minutes. Oh, no. Because I milked every <laughs> single. As soon as I got the first laugh, I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do a bit more on that. Yeah, yeah. And I was just a glutton for it. Now, I know, yeah. people fell out of the place 
knackered that yeah. night because uh, I kept him there all night. I wouldn't go away. Oh, no. I was like that wasp in November. I was just dying on the windscreen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just, uh, it was it was insane. And then now I've got used to just do the show, do the show and let them enjoy the show. And, um, and I'm uh, just seeing the whites of people's eyes, bringing them up on stage, interacting with people, improvising with people. Um, it's just awesome. It's and great. And it's it's fun. It's like, you know, I, my first show was in Dundalk and I, I let, went a bit over as well. I did two hours yeah. instead of 90 minutes. So I had to kind of really ferociously edit and stuff like that. Uh, and one guy at the end gets up and, you know, so who shot him? You know, and then walks out the door. And I said, why do you leave? I was about to tell him. You know, you know, you know and, and stuff like yeah. this. You have a bit of crack like that. Yeah. Like like in, in Belfast last night, uh, someone had armoured cars and tanks and guns as a ringtone. And it kept ringing during the show. I said, lads, come on. What about, you know, a shared Ireland here? Could you not have Ireland's call? Yeah. You know, could you not have that? Yeah, you know, yeah, they were yeah. all, they were roaring laughing. But I mean. Give us a few, um, give us a few uh, places you're playing in now. So, well, I'm, I'm going to be all over. I'll be in um, Downpatrick. That's all sold out at the mm. weekend. Go to paddycullivan.com. Okay. All the dates are there. But I'm going to um, Newcastle, Birmingham and London. I've got two dates in the Irish Centre in oh, Hammersmith, great. which is going to be great. And that's selling out. They'd love well. it over in New York. I know, I know. But in the I, Arts Centre over in New York. Yeah, I know. I got onto them, but they didn't get back. Yeah, you know? well, they'd love this. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I get get an American because I'm an American citizen. So I, like, I yeah, so I like um, I like getting over there if I can. You know, uh, my mo- my mother's from America. Yeah. So I always think that gives me a little bit of an outsider's view as well of Irish history because. You know, people can get too emotional about it. Too. And just one thing, I mean, you were saying, I think Patrick gave me a few notes as well. And mm. he was saying that you had said in the notes that um, watching something like the Ukraine thing unfold, mm. you know, you have a very healthy skepticism about what you're watching. Yeah, I mean. Just explain that to me. What do you mean by that? My problem is I know too much history. OK, and I think I, I am I'm envious of people who could just look at something and go, I feel very sorry for these people. And of course, I appreciate that. And I. I think the refugee situation is appalling. I think the Irish are always amazing when it comes to this stuff, that how welcoming they are in all of this. I think what Putin has done is appalling. I, you know, I hate seeing cities that I know from World War II, Kharkiv, Kiev, they're all cities that were demolished twice by the Nazis and then the Russian reinvasion, you know. And Mariupol. And Mariupol and, and you know, Rostov on Don and this whole mm. thing. I mean, the Germans swept through that place. And it's awful. But then I'm also deeply cynical because in the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk in 1918, where the Germans actually beat the Russians in World War One, one of the stipulations is a free and independent Ukraine. So it's like, it's something the Germans want. Do you know what I mean? It's something that the West has always wanted because they know that, you know, everything, every war is about food or energy, mm. you know, and Ukraine basically provides all the, the wheat and the food for the whole area and Russia as well, mm. you know? The way Vietnam... Red basket, yeah. Yeah, the way Vietnam produced all the so rice say, for China. No, you jumped to the chase there. Are yeah. you saying basically that the West have an, an integral interest in making sure, a, a, a kind of a, 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 a self-serving interest in making sure Ukraine... Yes, of course yeah, they do. Yeah. And, and that's why they're always playing silly buggers. And, you know, you don't mess with... You know, I'm not saying Putin is right, no, but you don't no. mess with somebody like that because the Russians don't care. They lost 26 million people in World War Two the last time someone was messing with their borders, okay? You know, I just always feel that diplomacy is a better way to to be and and a better thing to do and maybe have that buffer zone Mm. and all the rest of it. The whole history of Central and Eastern Europe has always been about one thing. What is the easternmost border of Germany? What is the westernmost border of Russia? And all the countries in between are always the victims Mm. of that. Mm. Poland, Lithuania, all Mm. the rest of it, Mm. who themselves had empires. Yeah. You know, so the whole thing is so complex and awful. I mean, we only have the North. If you go somewhere like the Balkans, that's like six Northern Ireland. Mm. You know, it's really tough. Um, 
The other aspect to it is, uh, the other aspect that I find a bit ghoulish is, you know, the way you said a while ago, you see these things happening over and over again. Mm. Um, The thing I sort of see, begin to see happening over and over again, maybe I'm late to the party. Mm. It's just the way, I'm loath to say it almost, and maybe I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but it's just the way I get the impression that the media seem to almost ratchet it up. (laughs) It's like as if they're going, you know, no war at the moment. Could there be a war? Yeah. <laughs> no war. No war. I know they love it, yeah. No war. But, but might there be a war? Well, no. Might there be a war? Could there be a war? Oh, yeah. they love it. Oh, they love it. And you're sort of going, shut up about war for a second. I know. Shut up about war. Stop saying war. Don't say the W word. But just say third, third world war. Third, it. third world war. They, it's like as if they fetishize over it. They do. They do. I mean, and, but, and by fetishizing over it and saying it all the time and having conversations about it all the time, mm. there is a danger that you put it in the mix more. Oh yeah, sure. P.J. O'Rourke, who just died brilliantly, yeah. he, he was a he was in Iraq or something like that, and it was before the war broke out. And he said, "Jeez, I hope this war doesn't break out." He said it to a journalist, and a journalist got back to him and said, "We worship different gods." Yeah, the journalist wants the war because yeah. it, it's the wag, the dog, it's copy forever. You know what I mean? And I just think this in, encouragement and enthusiasm by the media. I think the media has gotten to a very scary place, but it was always that way. It was always that way. You know, I'm I mean, sorry. the amount of times now I'm listening to Morning Ireland, whether it was the pandemic, COVID or war. And the opening question is a really rhetorical question. Mm. Paddy Cullivan is here. Paddy, Paddy, your representative from the Ukraine ministry for mm. there might be a war. Paddy, how bad could it get? Oh, yeah. So the question is not, is it bad? The question is, how bad could it get? Oh, yeah. In other words, they, they want you to paint a picture of a nightmarish scenario yes. for their listeners. Well, I mean, news has stopped being news. It's yeah. become it's become um, it's speculation an, and hypotheticals and, and hypothetical and ratings gatherers. Yeah, I if mean, the, when, since since news went into the ratings game, mm. we've been we've we've moved into trouble. Yes. Morning Ireland shouldn't be in the JNLRs. No, no. Do you understand the JNLRs? These yes. ratings that come out every every few yeah. months, yeah. and we all go Ian Dempsey breakfast show up one one thousand. Yeah. Yeah, champagne. We live. And then we, we live go, another day. Morning Ireland, four hundred and thirty-eight thousand. And I'm going. They shouldn't be allowed to say that. No, this no. is the news. It's just the news. Yeah, it's the state news. I but know. it's the news. You're not allowed ratings for the news. It's the fucking news. I know. I know. But something. How that, do we get more ratings, lads? But also, I'd say, why don't we say um, Ukraine could get really shit? <laughs> yeah. How bad could it get? Maybe that'll get us another ten thousand listeners. But do you not remember the headline in the mirror on, on March twelfth? 2019 or 2020 which was you know uh, Sam McConkie says 150,000 people could die 80 right 80 yeah and right and then above that that was a third of the paper mm. and then the top was Cheltenham is great <laughs> and I was there going you know which is it Cheltenham that's going to kill everybody yeah. or Sam McConkie who thinks we're all going to die I know and you're there going and you know and something no, what it should have been Six to one on, 80,000 people die in the first race at Cheltenham. <laughs> exactly. But, but my whole point is, something that ha- hasn't happened yet isn't news. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Something that hasn't happened yet isn't news. So, funny enough, you know, a lot of people gave out about Trump. I, have, I bring him back in the show because, you know, because when we're going through all the Michael Collins newspapers, it's just obscene. He was attacked by 200 men and they left many dead on the battlefield and everything. Nobody died. And they, I just go, it's fake news, people. Believe me, everyone's yeah. talking about it. Mm. Fake news. Mm. It's it's true. Mm. Wrong. Mm. Wrong. And it's just this idea that we speculate and call that a news. But then again, you know, we, we didn't have 24 hour news years ago. That's true. And they have to fill it somehow. That's it. That's you know? it. Yeah. But I think 
you know, I think banning news outlets or banning channels and stuff like that, I think that's that's a, a very weird situation to be in because we, I grew up with Section 31, you know, where Stephen Ray voiced Jerry Adams while everybody else could, you know, while Rhonda Paisley was out to have her own chat right. show. Yeah. You know, like we're, that, Ireland was a very weird country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Especially during the Troubles. And it's like, this, to me, it's like a dream. It's like some psychedelic dream that we I'm always of this. I'm always, the other one is... Um, uh, this idea that only in Ireland ah, jazz is only in Ireland right yeah. now again I'm going to be devil's advocate about this because uh, where, where would you get it Mario where, where would you, you get, get it is another one here you'd get yeah. it here right but, now is where you get it but that's 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 the problem I have because like people go would you look at that only in Ireland <laughs> and I'm there looking at like people like uh, oh I don't know there was that there was that uh, senator or there was a Canadian dude who was on crystal meth or something later <laughs> And I was just going, dude, their leader was on crystal meth. Or Gerhard Schroeder yeah. there has Putin for his 75th birthday as the guest of honor. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you're talking about stuff that goes, I mean, I'm only scraping, I'm only money. No, you know. humanity is insane. Yeah. It's, it's but crazy. I'm just saying, when we're in Ireland, we go, like, basically only in Ireland. And I'm going, dude, Ireland is pristine in comparison to some of the countries. Pretty much. I mean, the, the worst we did over, over COVID was open those insane she beans. Remember those weird she beans that opened where you'd yeah. see fellas be drinking and smoking fags like yeah. for like 25 hours yeah. to getting COVID off each other and licking each other. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, like that's that was pretty bad, you know. Apart from that, we're horrendously well behaved, like yeah. 90 million percent vaxxed, you know, um, always following the rules, you know, it, right back to the Catholic Church, you know. Compliant, I mean, to, yeah. me, to me, COVID was the, the, the Catholic, the Catholic Church, Church. Or the Brits. Yeah, sure. I was, I was, you know, I thought I was calling Neffet the Council of Neffet because mm. it sounds like one of these church meetings yes. where they're deciding the date of Easter. Yeah, they, with, they, 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 they were canonical. Which, I mean, they yeah. nearly had cones on their head. <laughs> I mean, they should have had little cones and kind of... With Archbishop McConkey and Monsignor, they Bola looked like priests. They did. I mean, d- if and you we picked, hung on their every you, word. If you cast a priest called Priest in a movie called Priest, you would cast Holohan. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know. And we. I mean, he would look word. perfect in a dress in one of those things. Yes. Just going like that, doing his hand side to side. Yeah. And anyone who didn't follow the shaking rules. shaking that thing, ning, 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 and throwing that shit out at the audience that oh, they yeah. throw. Well, I wanted. COVID, to, was it? I wanted to do a whole song called "The Church of COVID," where you know, um, you go into the church and you know, instead of dipping your hand into the holy water, you yeah. spray your hand with the sanitizer. Yeah. And oh you, yeah, like a church. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get on your knees and put on your masks. And yeah. uh, or they throw it at you. Do you know the priests where they throw it at you? They throw the sanitizer at you. Do you know that stuff that they? Throw? Oh, oh, they throw it at you. Yeah, and yeah, sanitize yeah. your face. Yeah. You know, and the whole thing. And I, I just thought it, it was a real weird throwback to, to behavior. Drink the vaccine. Drink it, drink it all, yeah, drink um, it all. and the body of Christ and um, and body of COVID. And it's and you're there kind of going, this is this is an odd country because we always say, oh, we're modern now. We're so modern. But, but the minute something like this comes along, we're just, we're happy to be enslaved by it. Do you know what I mean? We're yeah, very no, happy. Always, we are, we are, I mean, that goes back to that argument as well of how slow we are to protest about things. Yeah. You know, I mean, all you need to be is on the 17A bus when it stops in the middle of the road. And listen to the silence on the bus. <laughs> but we're an island it, nation. But if that's Mario. the 17A bus in, in Frankfurt, yeah. in 1.3 seconds, you'd hear the Sturm und Drang of, Why is this bus stopped? I pay for this bus! And and the driver of the bus going, I'm so sorry. I, I will call my superiors. And I'm, say, I'm 30 seconds late. And then, you know, two hours later on the Irish bus, they're going, Excuse me. Except for one time. I was in London one time. And in a queue in the in the, the the Brits are worse at this sometimes. I was in a queue in a hotel in for the for for uh, breakfast. Oh, right? is this politeness? Oh, this is worse. Mm. This is the only time I saw the Irish rebel properly since 1916. 
and the tea machine was broken and the Brits were just standing in the queue going mustn't crumble mustn't crumble right. can't be light and the Irish are like where's the tea where is it right get out here you know that's because they were in England and they felt they, they, they wanted could rebel. to rebel they, wanted they to wouldn't rebel. have done it in not Ireland. over here no no total silence <laughs> and acquiescence over and in Britain we'll fucking do it oh yeah and never complain for one moment in a restaurant when you know oh, well of course yeah you know, well, I think it was uh, some was a comedian I can't remember but they did a funny maybe it was Jason Byrne or whatever did a funny um, routine about Irish people saying sorry. It was very funny. Oh, yeah. The yeah. sorry thing that we get into. The, we go up onto a bus and we just go, sorry. <clears throat> Why? Somebody passes us. We go, sorry. Yeah. You're, you know, you get in. I'm sorry, but this food is sorry, so bad. So it's going to give me food poisoning. But everybody, Irish people just say sorry the whole time for no reason to yeah. say sorry. So it's like, can I have, um, can I have, a, a, can I have 20 Marlborough and a, a, a Mars bar, please? And they'd go, sorry. And you go, Sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> why are you saying sorry for even speaking? You it know. is. I think that um, probably about we're going to play the um, we're going to play your great song about blah 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 bailing the blah blah blah. Well, bailing the blah blah blah. I do it at the end of the show, and I do it because I want to recap it for everybody, uh, like Colombo saying, you know, just one more thing. But also, it's it's to get the entire mystery into one song. Hmm. Well, Paddy Cullivan, I've really enjoyed my conversation with you here. And actually, um, I think there might be more in it. So I might 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 think about it and ask you back in some other capacity. Superb. Um, some other day. Um, and listen, best of luck. I love, the, I love the sound of the show. I'd love to come and see it if it's on again in Dublin. Yeah. Probably, I'll put it, you I'll, probably will, won't you? I'll put it on again in September. Mm. Would uh, it work in somewhere like the Sugar Club or something? It would in the Sugar Club. Mm. But I did it in the Patrick Pierce house, which is mm. a nice 75-seater theatre. Mm. And it was brilliant. Mm. And it worked really well there. Mm. And... Um, and then you're bringing like some Finnegalers came along because mm. they liked the word Michael Collins and then I made them walk through Patrick Pierce's house and it was great I loved <laughs> it stinker I know they like Patrick Pierce of yeah. course I know if you, if you scratch Finnegalers very very deeply you know I opened the show with like all Finnegalers Michael Collins uh, is born a fully grown man at the age of 26 but but if you scratch Finnegaler down really really deep like go deep into their heart there is a little tiny Republican in there still mm. there is Colonel there's a Colonel of it I'm telling you. <laughs> Brilliant, Paddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. When you see what you want to see, make the facts fit perfectly. Anyone who disagrees, accuse them of conspiracy. I'll just tell you, let it lie. Let the poor man rest in peace. Do you think that Michael Collins would let it lie? Or try to solve his own mystery. Whatever happened to fail the blow? No one agrees on what they saw. What did they see? What did they do? If you're so sure, then good for you. Whatever happened to bail the blow? What did they see? What did they saw? Let's have a new inquiry. Cause all we really know is that nobody agrees about bail the blow, blow, blow. Just give me some truth. Don't tell me no lie. Cause he was a good man, my God. And there's no way for a good man to die.
And that's it from me and Paddy for this week. Check out paddycullivan.com for all his tour dates. Paddy is brilliant live on stage. Um, and as you can hear from him performing live and um, with his guitar in great voice too. So get yourself some Paddy Cullivan tickets. We talked about loads more in this interview, comedy, Sinn Féin, Ireland's political system, and we'll bring that to you in a special bonus episode in the coming weeks. It's very interesting. Subscribe or follow um, so you don't miss it. And get in touch with me personally, mariorosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all, I get back to them all. Thanks a million for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.